Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the ADOS podcast. We took a slight break last week, but we are back in action. It's your host, Elijah Norris Holiday, And I'm your host, Christian McClary. We want to thank you all for always tuning into ADOS podcast. Please continue to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to follow us on Facebook, to go follow us on our Instagram page, and to check us out on wherever you get in your podcast. We're pretty much everywhere. Um, so thank you all for sticking with us. Christian just reminded me he's getting married soon here. He said he's 33 days away from he's officially being off the market. I told him you're off the market already. Christian, how you feeling this morning, man? I'm a, it's a lot. It's a lot on, on my mind, but um, 33 days away. Wow. This has been like the fastest year of engagement ever. Um, and I don't know if that's because of how active we've been outside and on doing the groundwork and the behind the scenes work. I also don't know if uh, that's just how life goes and time flies. I, like, I think it's a combination, man. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. When you're busy just doing stuff, time does fly, bro. Like, seriously, you look up, it's like, oh, man, it's four months ago. Like, I'm thinking back, like, oh, my God, it's already June. Like, we're days into June already, bro. Like, yeah. Man, summer's here. I remember complaining about it being cold and this and that. And now it's like 97 degrees outside and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's normally how it goes. And um yeah, I mean I'm I'm looking forward to this moment. I, I have been um for a long time and now that's finally coming. People are like, Hey, are you nervous? I'm like, nah, I have nothing to be nervous about. They asked me the same question when I proposed. Like, oh my God. You don't think you're gonna be nervous like on the actual wedding day though? No. Not at all. No. No, you're you're talking to a guy who who gave speeches in front of tens of thousands of people. You know, if you could do something like that. That's different than being married to someone. But with friends and family, like it's a union. It's more of a celebration versus like, so it's like, if you're going to have nerves, Mm -hmm. those are the time to to fumble your words and be nervous and stuff like that. But for moments like this, this is what we live for. So you already got your vows prepared and everything. Nah, I'm in trouble. No, (laughs) Elijah's getting people in trouble. I, I did not complete my vows yet. I thought about them. But I have not. Good, because you might want to add some stuff last minute anyway. You the know? day of? Yeah, the day of, <laughs> an hour before. You got to remain flexible. Nothing set in stone when it comes to the vows. At least I feel like it. You know, got to be a little flexible, man. Yeah, and it has to come for the heart. I was trying to keep it short and sweet, but you know who I'm with. So mm-hmm. my fiance is not going to allow that. So I have to prepare something, you know, something that's not an easy way out. You can't just say I love you and continue with the food and Oh yeah, no, absolutely not. It has to be something sentimental. So are you gonna are you gonna have like a rehearsal type thing? Or you guys just gonna go right and just get it done? No, we got rehearsal dinners and family stuff we gotta do okay. as as they come into town. So it's gonna be a busy week. But um I I I kinda wanna get off this wedding thing because we got bigger fish to fry. Oh, you want to get into it already? I want to get into it already. Good morning, everyone. First of first and foremost, and um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you when we think about Freedom Day and Liberation Day, what what is Juneteenth meant to you? June nineteenth. What what has that meant to you? You know what I'm gonna say to that. Christian. I know. We, we we're not free. We're not liberated, bro. I was going there too. As as Ados people, there's no day. That I think we need to recognize and celebrate um, black liberation and black freedom. I, I think we need to get to the point where we celebrate that every day, but we're just not there yet. Um, and although we're physically free, our minds are still enslaved, mm-hmm. still enslaved. 
And I have this conversation with people every single day. And I think it's the reason why I'm just, I don't know, man, I'm trying to not turn away from the side of the protesting and everything. I'm just trying to figure out more creative ways to use my time and my energy and my focus, man, because it's just that space right now, bro. It's just breaking my heart. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's just breaking my heart. Because I just feel like we are just not protesting. We're not advocating. We're not agitating for the right things. Um, and you know what I'm going to say right after this. We just had another police-involved shooting. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Marshals. Winston Smith was his name. Um, R.P. Winston Smith. But again, bro, a couple weeks ago, three children shot on the north side. Where is where is the people showing up in the in the crowds and the masses for those things and holding space for days at a time all day and night not just showing up for an hour or two just to be there with community and then leaving mm-hmm. right but actually holding space and saying enough is enough we're sick of this gun violence in our community and then when I see a police officer involved shooting I see people physically taking things destroying stuff showing their anger and their frustration holding space for days at a time to protest against the system that kills us, but yet we don't protest in our own community when we're being destroyed every day. Mm-hmm. I'm frustrated. I'm yeah. upset. Yeah, and um, you know, to that point, you're you're absolutely right. And I would be honest, at least at least through my lens, I saw a lot of that over the past year of us. You know, there you know, there's like a a movement that's about to start us against us. And uh, that's going to be for that purpose, for us to focus on the internal work that we have to do. Because what do I always say? We can't fight ourselves in oppressors. It's just not going to work. And you're right. You know, the the babies and, and Winston, we're, we're fed up. And Minneapolis is, I, I know, that's just a city of exhaustion right now. Man, we at ground zero right now in Minneapolis. And I don't think a lot of our elected officials realize that, right? This, uh, like, what we decide to do in the next couple years, man, could potentially be a model for other major cities to follow. And I know traditionally people haven't seen Minneapolis as a major city, mm-hmm. but we are. Mm-hmm. And especially with the, the the events that have been taking place over the last year or so here. I mean, we've been on an international spotlight. I mean, what happened with George Floyd, bro? Sparked protests around the world. Universal. Let's let's not forget that. You know, it's a spark protest around the world. Mm hmm. So we are at ground zero in Minneapolis and we're really in a position to do something great or to show the entire world what not to do, I guess. So I guess either way it goes, somebody's going to benefit from it, but it might not be us if we don't get it right. Right. So I think our elected officials need to step up, need to be present and need to do something. Right. Because not doing anything, we see what's happening. We see what's happening. More shootings over the weekend. A child in Woodbury, 14 years old, on Saturday, was mm-hmm. just shot attending a graduation party. It's just not stopping. It's all over the place. So you talk to me about a day in which black folks, ADOS folks, can celebrate liberation and freedom. I don't think that day exists. You know, you probably thought I was going to say Juneteenth, <laughs> um, which is a day that I guess we could celebrate the physical liberation of black folks, ADOS folks. But I don't think we're there yet, man, where we can take any day and say, oh, we're finally free. No, not not quite. Not quite. Um, 
I, I respectfully disagree. Um, not with all your points. I, I agree with you on like the whole we're not free and our mind. We're we're definitely enslaved all over. You know, even even if we still look at the bodies, it's not shackles, but it's work. It's still the labor force and everything of that nature. It's just it just the looks different. Justice system. Yep. Yep. It just looks it just looks different. Um but what I wanted to, wanted to say is I like how people are using this day to come together. And and that's the value that I see in it. Because although, yeah, we we know there's a lot of work that needs to be done. As people, there's so many people who get excited about their ADOSness. And this is a day for them to come out, to get involved, to be active. And I, I agree, you know, people should be doing that year round because that's what it takes. You know, that needs to be a, a, a 25-8 thing. You know, like our, our guest in the past was saying, 25-8. That's, that should be something ongoing. And um, I, I look at the children who don't quite understand everything right now, who haven't experienced as much as we experience as adults, as elders, as a community, who who come to these events and they get that early exposure of some of their ADOS history. You know, the Marcus Garvey's of the world, the Madam C.J. Walker's mm-hmm. of the world, the Harriet Thomas. So it's like a day of, you know, education right. as well mm-hmm. that that comes with it. And I just look at our future because I, I, I go to events and there's one that I'm going to share towards the end of the podcast today. But I go to these events and I see the children having fun eating food and just see a lot of people in that space who look like them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really familiar with Juneteenth till I watched a TV show, and that's I'm just keeping it real. And that's a lot of y'all out there. I'm not gonna say too much, but I was watching Black Blackish, and that's mm-hmm. where I first found out about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it was something. I just didn't know it was Juneteenth, like June 19th. Mm-hmm. Like I heard it in passing. I was like, oh, that can mean anything. And then as I done, you know, did more research, I was like, oh, you know, this is powerful. Because if it's not about us, for us who knows the real, the real stuff that's happening out there, our babies could benefit from this. And, and you know, I was privileged growing up in the sense I had grandparents who were history buffs, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love, especially black history. Oh, my God. My grandmother has journals and notebooks that she that she took personally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she shared with the, shared with me when I was a kid. We went to the Sabo Museum. We went to the African Festival in Chicago. I mean, we just did a lot of events that were centered around black excellence and blackness, right, when growing up. So I knew about Juneteenth, right? Um, I knew about it since I was a younger person. And it is a day, like I said, that we need to acknowledge, that we need to celebrate. But I just don't think we're there yet as a group of people where we can start to say that we're liberated free. And the sad part about it is last year, we, I, my company, Project Restore Minnesota and London Co- Collaborations, um, with Black Bowl and Brilliant. Um, we had West Broadway Coalition mm-hmm. and we had a few other organizations that are Northside based. We threw a Juneteenth event at the Cub Foods parking lot over there and everything was going great. We had a bounty house for kids. We had face painting stations. We had food. We had vendors out there. I mean, you name it, we had it. Uh, we had a stage. We had performances from Ashley Henderson. She was hosting and did some comedy in between the performances. Mm-hmm. It was a great event. Great day. Mm-hmm. Slight rain, but it was a great day. Literally about two hours, three hours into the event, some people start shooting across the street. Someone crashes a car, 
mm. across the street. Literally across the street, bro. We had to temporarily shut the event down because there was gunshots that rang out. Somebody crashed into a vehicle. The police was on a high-speed chase right through the community. During Juneteenth, during this day of freedom and liberation we're trying to celebrate, we got people across the street from us shooting at a place where there were kids there. A lot of youth were there. A lot of our elders were there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's like we have we're having these events. These we're having these spaces where we're bringing people together, but we can't control what's happening around us, man. We can't control what's happening around us. It's getting to the point where people just aren't really wanting to do events anymore. Someone approached me a couple of weeks ago asking, you know, what was going on for Juneteenth if we we're planning to do anything again, and I said, well, based you know based off of the people that I've talked to so far, I'm not sure. A lot of people are just concerned that if we do through do an event, that there's going to be some violence, mm -hmm. and we don't want to be held accountable and responsible for that. Rightfully so. So it's like, are we going to get to that point where we're just going to stop doing community events because we can't get a control of this this gun violence that's happening? Man, this is a serious problem. It's a serious issue. It's not going to stop. And you know, um, I actually. It's more than just having people host events. It's a, uh, it's a type of action that's really gonna make people not want to come outside anymore. And um, I was telling you about my weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's kind of why I was alluding to it too, because it's not just you. I've been experiencing it as well, where it's like, you know, not all protests are protests for me. I'm just gonna keep it a thousand. Like some of the work I need to be doing behind the scenes. Like I don't need credit. I don't need face recognition, mm -hmm. face card or anything. I know the work that I do and I know the value it has for our people. Facts. So it's like, if I can do that and you know, with the whole socially distancing mm -hmm. and the work from home stuff, if I can do that in the comfort of my own home where it's a minimum risk of anything happening yeah. to me, because, you know, no matter where you are, you could be at home or wherever, you know, stuff just happens. That's we can't control people around us. Mm -hmm. They can control themselves. But the the thing I really I really I really think that we should focus on is do those people feel included, invited into the spaces in which we're hosting? And I go back to when I was a a younger child and I did this whole tit for tat thing. <laughs> I wanted to, my, my first job, I wanted to work at Chick-fil-A. I was like eager to work and um, they Ch didn't Chick -fil -A hire Chick-fil-A out of all places though? Look, I was 15. Okay. I was like, I'm just trying to get okay. some, I'm right. just trying to get some paper. I'm just trying to work. I'm trying to work for it. Get chicken it, sandwiches get it are good. And free chicken it sandwiches. It got good food. We know their, their political beliefs and all that and their religious beliefs. But, um, when I didn't get the job as a, as a black man, I as a young black person, I was uh, furious. And let me look to the audience. I was furious audience because I was like, I don't do drugs. I'm not a gangbanger. I'm not in the streets. I'm trying to work this honest first job. Like I really just want to work and get my money that way. And uh, I didn't understand why they didn't hire me. And I got so mad. It was like, you know what? Maybe I should go deal some drugs. Maybe I should go do this. Maybe I thought I, you said you were going to go do something to the Chick-fil-A. I'm like, dang. No, no, no. not this. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, partly in Chick-fil-A. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get rich and I'm going to buy every single Chick-fil-A out there and only hire my type of people, you know? Only 15-year-old black kids. And that that was like my my thinking. And I didn't act on any of those things, but... If I would have act on some of those things, it would be a completely different Christian today. 
And I and I say that because I did not feel included in that space. So I automatically was like, you're not including me. I'm automatically against you or you're against me. So we're against each other. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, that's how some wars start. Just some petty stuff. Oh, most of the things that we're that we're experiencing right now in the community is over petty stuff. Or Break it down. Over, it could be what? Women? Money? Or drugs. Respect. Or drug turf. Drugs. A gang. Gang war. Gang wars. Well, yeah. actually, they don't gang bang anymore. I wish they would just go back to gang banging. I know that's going to sound strange to y'all, but when they were gang banging, it was a lot more structure, a lot more order. You can control things more. Now they have these renegades out here. And what they're calling EBK stands for everybody killer. They're cliques. They're basically, you know, they don't have any ties to any particular gang or organization. They're just a band of people together that said, this is my brother. This is my cousin. We a clique. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just so dangerous, bro, because everything is just broken up into factions now. A lot of people don't even understand the gang culture. And, and that goes back to my other point. Like the elected officials aren't out here. They're not outside. Right. So you don't know this. You don't know that there is no gangs anymore. I hate when I hear elected officials talk about gangs. Yes, there's gangs in a traditional sense. Right. Mm-hmm. But like they're not flying on any flags right now. Why don't you just have to sit down with the gang leaders? There's no gang leaders. You just what are you talking about? There hasn't been gang leaders since like the '90s. Everyone's renegade now. Everyone's have their. They just take a click, and that's the that's their gang. There's no leaders. So stop saying let's just have a sit down with the gang leaders. There's no gang leaders. That's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell you what, there are. There are a whole bunch of 15 year old kids pissed off. They didn't get a shot to work an honest way. Man, and that's the sad part, Christian. A lot of these people that's committing these crimes is 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, 15-year-old They want to do the right thing, but it's so tough for them. With guns, bro. Mm-hmm. My thing is, how do they get the... If you don't got a job, how are you getting money to afford a gun? Guns aren't cheap. Even if you get one on the street, they're 300, 400 bucks, right? So it's like, how are you getting money to get a gun and to get the bullets to put in the gun? Who said anything about money? Which also aren't cheap. Who who said anything about money? Because I'm like, if 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 people are doing stuff as such as taking lives, it's no telling if they're robbing and stealing and doing all other stuff too. Oh, they're doing all of it, bro. All of the above. They're doing all of it, bro. And like you said, it just takes one time for them to get turned down from an opportunity, one or two times to get turned down for from a job. And then boom! All right, I'm gonna go get it the easy way because this is what my homie's doing. Get and you, and, we, know, and we know how it works, yep. bro. We know how it works. You try to get a job, don't work. You try to get this opportunity, you disqualify. You're not eligible for whatever reason, and you got homies over here selling some little weed or some whatever, and they making some money, and they come to you and say, "Oh, my man said he could put you on." This, this is what happened. My man could put you on too. You ain't making no money right now. What you doing right now? Oh, you try to apply for that job? They hire you? No. I I can put you to work right now. Cash. What's up? That's what happens though. And then boom, you got him. Yeah, and that's that's for life too. You know, once once it start and don't get me wrong, when I was younger, I've been approached and uh I got beat up a couple of times for saying no and standing my ground. It was probably stupid at the time, but as an adult it kind of benefited me because in those moments, I learned which places to go and not to go, you know, and then staying away from that. People knew me as like, oh, you know, that's Christian. He's not on nothing. You know, people were like they used to scope me out. Used to have, I used to be a fly young cat. Back uh, in the day. I would catch that right there. Catch it. Because that's what they say. 
They say, oh, that's Christian. He not on nothing because you're not doing what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. Why do we have that mentality when it comes to our kids? When they're not doing what we want them to do, we say they're not, they're not on nothing. No, they on something. They just not own what you own. Mm -hmm. They doing their own thing. They focus on their own path. So stop telling our kids because you're not selling drugs, you're not game banging, because you don't dress this way, you don't talk this way, you don't walk this way, you're not on nothing. Yeah. And that's the part I'm talking about with our community, bro. We got to change our mentality. We have to shift our paradigms, bro, and expand our minds. Besides, we just we see we see someone that acts out of the ordinary in our community and we pick on them instead of lifting that person up and encouraging other people to model that behavior. Mm -hmm. We tear that behavior down to the point. If you were a good kid, you did care about being in class and doing what you have to do, being respectful, being respectful to your elders and your teachers and being a good person. You get tore down in the community for. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I'm gonna keep it hundred. You get marginalized. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, he think he better than us because he talked this way and he dressed like this. He ain't nothing. That's what it is. That's our mentality, though, bro. White people didn't do that. We do that to ourselves. We do that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We tear our kids down when they're trying to do the right thing. Nobody else does. We do. But then we want the teachers to be held to a higher standard. We want the teachers to be held accountable when they fail our kids. When in reality, we fail our kids every day. Yeah. I got to keep it 100. Some people don't like that I say that. That's okay. That's the real, though. You know, because I, you know, you never realize how important parenting is. Like, it, it is a very important thing. And I'm not a parent right now. But I see how people are maneuvering outside. And I'm just like, I took my belt off the last session. I was like, we don't get enough of this. Because I, I got tore up in my lifetime. And it, it was as simple as giving my lunch money away to the people who used to walk me to school every day. I did that one time and I got a whooping when I got home. And I, I didn't give them my lunch money anymore. <laughs> it's not even parenting from, from just a, a mom and a dad, right? Let's expand this a little bit. Yeah, it's guardians it, in general. It, exactly. And it's like that having to, the real sense of community to me is if you see my kid, and I'm not a parent yet, mm -hmm. right? But I experienced this growing up. Keyword yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want to be a parent one day. Coming soon. Absolutely. No, ain't no, no, no ain't no coming no time soon. <laughs> but my, my, my sense of community is if you see my kid outside doing something that is inappropriate, and as an adult, you should know what an inappropriate behavior is, I want you to step up and check him. And not only do I want you to stand up and check him, I want you to call me, reach out to me, come find me so I can check them too. And checking can mean a lot of different things. I'll leave it up for y'all interpretation. But check them. Check her. Correct that behavior right then and there. Mm -hmm. And let them know that's not going to be accepted in our community. Ever. In our community. That's not going to be accepted. Right? Parents, go look inside your, your son's mattresses. And nowadays, your daughter's mattresses. The girls out here with guns, too. I was having a conversation with my stepmom. She said some of the females out here worse than the dudes. Yeah. Smoking backwoods, got the Henny bottle, got a pistol on them. Face tats. Hanging out the window. Wow. We had, me and my stepmom had a whole three-hour conversation about this. She said it's just different. She said, yeah, they got into fights growing up and stuff like that. But they weren't riding around smoking no backwoods with Henny bottles and guns. Yeah. I'm telling you, bro, there's some crazy stuff going on out here, man. It's real. It's real. And some of these females is 
man, doing worse than the males. Crazy. And you know, <laughs> I and I and I love how you reintroduce that, like home raids. Like we we gotta go in those rooms. All that giving them their privacy, they just chilling. I was an adolescent before. You was an adolescent before. We got to do those check-ins. My dad did them. What? My dad quick to come bust down the door. <laughs> what? What? And he found some stuff in there. Wasn't doing no guns and nothing crazy, but you know, stuff I wasn't yeah. supposed to have. Yeah. Confiscated it. <laughs> and I just knew not to bring none up in his house. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. And, and that's how it works. But it's like in those moments, if you were to find something, it has to be action, whether it's a conversation depending on what it is, whether it's something, you know, more physical, more verbal or aggressive. So we could really paint that, you know, paint that message and paint that picture and say that this is not what we're supposed to do. This is not what we should do. This is not what we need to do. It's other ways, you know. Christian, can I keep it 100 with you, bro? Keep it a million. Some of the parents is encouraging it. Some of the parents know that it's there, bro. We'll be naive that we sat on this show and lied to these people and said that a lot of these parents don't know that their kids riding around with guns and smoking weed. Some of these parents are millennials. And, and, and drinking lean. Some of their parents only 18 years older than them, 17 and, years older than and, them. And that's that's a whole thing because they haven't fully developed or, you know, really lived their lives. And if they come from that street culture, street background, they know that. So, yeah, it's encouraged. But that goes back to your other point for some of those households who – who are doing that to their children, we have these these parents who are not like, oh, that's not how we're going to, you you know, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. You know, this this is And this they say, you, you a grown man. How yeah. you a grown man at 16? Be real. Quit playing. I'm going to keep it real with y'all this morning. Maybe it's, I ain't had no coffee yet, so maybe I'm being too wrong. If they are selling dope <laughs> to help pay bills and to help support the family, it will be strongly encouraged in that family. There you go. If they're getting money to help out with siblings and help out with bills, they're a luxury, not a liability. And that's that's what we need to reshape that way of thinking, because it's that way of thinking that get your children killed. Mm. And that's just keeping it a buck. That's a stone cold truth, Ruth, man. Yeah, I'm just saying because it's, you know, and I'm not saying every case, but like there have been some why hymns, why him. And then, you know, you check out their social media. That's why him. That's why them. And I don't encourage that. But it's like if you're out there walking to the walk, talking to talk and doing that. My, my dad had a saying growing up when I thought I was out here game banging and doing tough stuff. He say, live by the gun, you die by the gun. Live by the sword, you die by the sword. Um. Uh, and that's a saying a lot of people use, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. You live by the gun, you die by the gun. That's it. That's a principle. That's what happens. You live that life, you're more than likely going to die by that life. Yeah, that's powerful. We talk about breaking generational curses, Christian, and <clears throat> a lot of my family. Me and my family, we talk. We have these talks all the time. We talk a lot about breaking generational curses. And it was my father's birthday over the weekend. So we celebrated them, took him out to eat, bought him some gifts, just showed our love and appreciation for having a strong black man in our family who mm-hmm. who did the right thing when he had so many other avenues and opportunities to do the wrong thing. He chose to step up and to be a great father to all of his children and to be a great husband to his wife. Um, so we had to celebrate that man. 
but I, I couldn't help but to think as I sat there with my entire family at this dinner table, it was probably about 10 of us. And you had some of his grandkids there. Um, not for me, for my younger brother. <laughs> some of my younger brother kids, <laughs> just to clarify. Some of my dad's grandkids was there. You know, of course, all of his kids was there. Um, his wife was there. We have a pretty nice sized family, just with my immediate family. It's pretty large. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't help but to look around and to say, wow, this is what this man created and sustained. He not only created this, he sustained this. And stayed. So when we talk and stayed and did the right thing and continues to do the right thing mm-hmm. to put his family in a good position. So when we talk about breaking generational curses, a lot of the time it takes one person willing to sacrifice to break that curse. And my dad made that great sacrifice. And his dad made that sacrifice before him, right? Was saying, I'm not going to be a deadbeat dad. I'm not going to walk out on my family. I'm not going to show them examples of, of bad things to do and negative behaviors. I'm not going to show them those things. I'm going to encourage them to go to school or to get an education because there's more ways to get educated than just going to a formal um, institution to get education. You can educate yourself right now today. Uh, but encouraging that education, uplifting those successes, celebrating those successes. My grandfather did those things. My dad did those things. So now I have an obligation to do those things for my family when I choose to have one, mm-hmm. right? To copy that same behavior and to expand on it to do better. Now, on the flip side of that, take a family that doesn't have that person willing to make that sacrifice. It doesn't always have to be a black male. Mm-hmm. I believe that it does, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Some people may think otherwise. Um, but it just needs to be someone in that family that people look up to, that people hold to a high standard willing to make that great sacrifice and say, no, I'm not going to continue these negative behaviors that I was taught or that were passed down to me. I'm going to change the trajectory in which my family is on. And I don't, until we get to the point, bro, where every black family in America is willing to sit down and figure out who's going to make that sacrifice. I think ADOS as a group of people, we're going to struggle. We're going to continue to struggle. You know, how do we break that generational curse family by family? And I want to I want to share this because the the two different family dynamics is actually not that different, because as, as I think about it, you know, your family and just having that presence there of your grandfather and your father having that presence of those two strong black men. Those families have it. And if you're in one of those families, you know who you are because you're not dead and you're not in jail like your siblings may be. So if you have siblings that are incarcerated and you're at home and you're still helping out and you're on the path of doing this, you have the decision to make to say, I could be better than this. I could help my family this way. And I do not need to go down this path because this path is going to be generational. I go down this path as my siblings and I choose not to step up. Whenever I decide to have children, same thing's going to happen to me. Same thing's going to happen to them. Within my family, it wasn't as bad as most families. But as as a black male, for one, as an older sibling, as the oldest sibling in my family, I was like, I have to make a sacrifice and I have to make a compromise and better yet. I have to demonstrate for my two younger sisters who's going to grow up and marry men. I need to set that precedent of what they should look for. I have to be that that role model. I have to step up and I have to show them that 
this is what you should look for in a person. And, you know, we all have that. We all want to. It's we we can't all live fast. And and that being said, I know we we got to get out of here. This is a conversation we got to continue. But oh, this is a conversation we're going to pick up on, on Saturday, man, because I want to explore this generational curses. Yeah, we got um, to a, a lot more, man, because I think if we can get to the basis of that mm-hmm. and really figure out a strategy, a plan to really help elevate people in these families who are trying to do the right thing, but just don't know how we can really start to change, bro. A lot when it comes to ADOS people, family by family, how do we break these generational curses? Because we know they're there. There's just no plan to address it. No one really wants to talk about it. We break those curses by breaking bad habits. And then also acknowledging those bad habits and not supporting it, man. That's my biggest thing, man. We can't keep supporting people riding around with guns, smoking weed, drinking henny out the bottle. It's not cool. We can't continue to do that as a group of people, man. Mm-hmm. People are not going to take us serious. We can't even take ourselves serious, man. Something got to change. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Something needs to change. I think we're going to start switching over just doing the podcast early morning. I'm feeling good doing it early <laughs> morning. As Christian did say, we got to cut out. Um, I want to thank y'all for tuning in again. Uh, please continue to support the ADOS podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at the ADOS podcast. We're on Facebook, the ADOS podcast, Instagram, the ADOS podcast. And we're pretty much everywhere where you get your podcast at. So support us. Give us a like. Give us a share. Comment on our materials. Let us know if there's a particular topic you want us to discuss or if you're interested in coming on as a host if you're in the Twin Cities area. Um, I appreciate you all. Um, I appreciate the support. Yep. Thank you, Christian. No problem. Thank you, Elijah. Love, peace, and blessings. Love and peace, everybody. Peace.